Hi, and welcome to my podcast, The Only Girl on the Job Site. I'm glad you found me. I'm Renee Beery, and I love empowering women to take on home projects, both large and small. I have been the only girl on the job site for the past 27 years, and I have seen it all. The good, the bad, the ugly, and everything in between. With my help, I hope you will be able to avoid the mistakes I've seen in the past and go into your project confident and knowledgeable about the industry so that your project is as smooth and successful as possible. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm glad you're here. As you all know, most of the episodes I record revolve around the management and the planning of home renovation projects, because that's really the most important piece to the puzzle in my estimation. But in reality, I also do a lot of decorating and I'm often asked questions along the lines of, well, how do I make my house a home? And, or I see the pictures on your website and and how do I get that warm feeling in my own home? And I'll be honest, I think there are a lot of homes that fall into this category. I think for a variety of reasons. One, if you're doing a home renovation project and you're adding on a room, well, you obviously are adding on square footage that you've never had to furnish before, right? So you chances are, I mean, you might have one or two things from your home that existing that you will pull into this space, but chances are the new room or space will require new furniture, new accessories. And, um, or if you're doing ground up construction, you may be building a larger home than the one you're coming from. Or as I get involved with a lot, people say, well, I don't want to bring any of my stuff to the new home. And so we are, we are constantly challenged with how do you finish these spaces? Because most of the episodes I record are about getting you that space and not what to do with those spaces once you do get them. So I take a pretty, I think, unique approach to decorating. I was raised with a lot of beautiful old pieces. They weren't necessarily antiques, but they were your grandmother's sofa or, you know, your great uncle's chest of drawers, things of that nature. Now, the rooms were never entirely old pieces. You know, grandma's sofa would have been recovered and your great uncle's chest would have had a new lamp on it and and things like that. And I learned from an early age that that layering in is what really creates a, a home feeling, a lived in inviting feeling. And so that's my advice to you and to everyone I talk to is to not just purchase everything brand, brand new. When that happens, it tends to look more like a showroom, uh, you know, furniture showroom, than it does kind of a lived-in space. Now, I'm not saying that all pieces need to be new, and and they weren't in in the home I grew up in or in my current home. It's sort of this blend of things that I quote picked up along the way to things that I've been um, passed down from my grandparents to things that I, you know, strategically plan for and order brand spanking new. And all of it lives and marries into this kind of warm approach in a room. 
So that's typically where I start, right? So you don't start with all new furniture in every single space. It just doesn't work. And and I can't exactly explain why, because obviously, you know, picture frames and accessories and things like that, no one's really going to know if they're old or new. Maybe, you know, the great uncle's chest of drawers is obvious because it's got that warm, mellowed age to it, but it really does make a difference. The second point I always make to people is to get things on walls. I cannot tell you how many times I walk into people's homes. And by the way, I stop asking how long people have lived in the home because I have found that it is um, a little surprising when they tell me six or seven or 10 years and I'm feeling like they just moved in. So I don't ask that question anymore. But Inevitably, there's no art on the walls, or there may be a painting over the living room fireplace, or maybe a mirror in the dining room. And literally, that's it. So people get intimidated by art. Now, where I am from is the Brandywine Valley, and there are some world renowned artists from our area, from NC Wyeth to Andrew Wyeth and Jamie Wyeth, and then people, Howard Pyle. I mean, I could go on and on about the number of artists that have come out of this area. So we have a lot of beautiful art museums in this area. And I think it truly contributes to some of the fear that people get hung up on when we use the term art. So when I tell a client, oh, you should go buy some art, and I know in their heads they're thinking, well, I can't afford, you know, an original oil painting from one of the Wyas. Well, of course not. Or maybe you can, but the majority of the people cannot. And that's not what I meant. I refer to art as anything. Art can be sculpture. It can be metalworks. It can be paperworks. It can be ceramics. It can be an actual painting, but inside that term can be watercolor, oil, you know, pen and ink. It, it can be anything in between, including and not to be left out are posters. So in this day and age where the internet is just filled with so many options and really affordable options, I don't feel that art should be lacking in a home because there's just such accessibility to it. So then the next question, when I point all that out to people is, well, what should I buy? And I don't even think twice. I look at them square in the eye and I say, buy what you love. And they look at me like that's the worst thing that I could possibly say to them because I know what they're thinking is Renee will tell me you should buy an 18 by 24 print of a barn and it should have reds, blues, and greens in it. And I would just never do that. Art for me is something that's meant to to move you. You may love the medium that it is painted in. You may love the scenery. You may love the colors. You may love all three of those things at one time. You may love the fact that when you see a piece of art, it reminds you of the trip you took from where you bought it from. You know, that to me is what makes a house a home. It does not matter if that piece of art costs you $10 or $10,000. If it's meaningful to you and it fits in the space and you can afford it, then that's what you should be hanging. And if that's a bunch of posters because you just love them, great. 
go for it. Now, in my own home, I have a mixture of pen and ink. I have original watercolors. I have posters. I have mirrors. And I have oil paintings. They are all mixed in, some all mixed in in one room. But each of them, I like. I just do. Now, there's maybe one or two placeholders. and That's okay, too. And by placeholder, I mean something that you, chances are, would like to upgrade at some point. So for instance, I have a framed poster from a place in New Orleans that we were visiting and it it's meaningful to me. I remember it. It reminds me of the trip. Now, will that be permanent? No, I'm always looking for something to put there, but so far I haven't found it. But there's no empty space on my wall and it still is meaningful to me when I do see it. So those are the really critical pieces and art just makes your house, makes your walls feel warmer. Paint color can only take you so far. And then if we're going to talk about art, what I am going to tell you is chances are your art is hung too high. I don't know why, but this is a thing. I walk Now, I am only five foot four. And so people think, well, it's because you're short. And, you know, that may be some of it. But in truth, it's not. Now, I have had clients that are 6'2", 6'3", and I had to fight my instincts and hang their art slightly higher than where I would have. And by slightly, I mean like an inch. I didn't you know, raise it up to their height. But artwork is typically hung so that the center of the piece is a maybe a little above your eye level. Now, I'm not going to give you an inch off the floor because I find those formulas to be too formulatic. There is just no such thing. I mean, it's going to feel right or it's not going to feel right. So use your best judgment, but maybe just above eye level. And here is my trick. If you hang something too high or too low and it's hung on a wire, you can unwind the wire in the back to slightly let it out or slightly shorten it. And therefore you can leave the hole exactly where it is. That's my trick of the day. So art, I really want you to to embrace it. Oh, last thing I'm going to say about art is don't be afraid to reframe it. So if you go to a garage sale and you see something that you really love, you're like, I don't know what it is about it, but, but I love it. You know, maybe it's a landscape of a beach and you, either you or your, your partner or spouse says, that's the ugliest frame I've ever seen. Who cares? Frames are replaceable. If that painting is $25, great. You've just won the lotto because that painting to probably do make it costs the artist more than $25 in just materials alone, let alone the framing. Get it reframed. Find a local frame shop that Someone that can help you, guide you into reframing it. Maybe you need a bigger mat. Maybe it needs to be, you know, more prominent. Maybe it needs a bigger frame. Maybe it needs, you know, a smaller frame. Maybe you want all the frames the same. I would only suggest keeping the frames all the same if you're going to do a kind of collage wall. Otherwise, some people like to keep the finishes the same, like in the living room, they want gold tone frames or silver tone frames. I, again, doesn't necessarily bother me. I mean, think about jewelry. There's lots of silver and gold jewelry that's on one piece together and looks beautiful. But I understand some people are a little bit more sensitive to mixing the finishes in one room and that's okay. But just make sure that it's framed right. 
And by right, I mean to your liking. Now, I, I said, you know, I, I have a mixture of pieces in my own home. Some of them I dug out from a closet in my parents' house. And I loved the paintings. I hated the frames. I refer to them as the 1960s, 70s driftwood frames. And uh, if you're in and around my age, you can probably imagine what I'm talking about. And they were just dull and really dated. But the art itself was beautiful. So off we went. I think I took almost four of them to a local frame shop when we moved into our house about 12 years ago, got them all reframed, loved them, rehung them. My mother said, these look beautiful. Can I have them back? And I said, no, no, it was my idea to reframe them. And she, she laughed, but she was like, wow, they just look so much more dynamic and current and, and beautiful. And so don't be afraid to reframe things. And if you are nervous about picking them out, like I said, find a local frame shop, go to them. They know what they're doing. You can test out a couple of different samples and, you know, lay it on top of the piece of art and just see what really works, what what really speaks to you. So now once you get art on your walls, what else can you do? And this may seem really obvious, but I see this missing all the time. And that is bring in personal belongings. When I mean personal belongings, I mean picture frames of you, your family, if you have one, uh, loved ones, your pets, whatever it is that you love, that brings warmth into a room. It brings interest. If you're having people over and they look over at the table as they're putting their drink down and they see this picture of someone they don't know, there's a conversation starter. Who is this? Or a picture of of a fabulous trip you took. Wow, where was this? When did you go there? Tell me about your trip. These are all things that just add that little layer of you into the rooms and take away the risk you run of a room feeling like a showroom. You do not want your home to feel like a furniture showroom. So beyond the photos, you can bring in belongings. Maybe you have a great book collection. Now, it doesn't have to be Shakespeare's first editions to be interesting. You may have Harry Potter series that you really love. Well, great. That brings you in and your interests into this room. Then display them. Don't necessarily just put them on a bookcase. Maybe you put three on the bookcase and one goes on the coffee table next to coasters, right? And that, again, draws interest, draws your personality through a room. And then one last piece that I see people missing are rugs. And rugs are tricky. So I have been doing this since the 90s. And when I first started, there there was no internet shopping. So if you wanted an area rug, you had to find a rug store and go and purchase from the rug store. Well, obviously, the world has come a long, long way in all internet shopping, and especially with rugs. So you may have needed to bank for $5,000 for a large area rug for your living room. Or more, uh, you know, they could get easily into the five figures if it's a much larger room. So people would just skip. They would wait. They'd say, "Oh God, you know, Renee, I need I need furniture. I can skip the rug for now." And I'd say, "Okay, but now when we're going to walk into this room, we're just going to hear a whole bunch of echoing, and no room feels cozy if there's an echo in it, right? It just doesn't make any sense." So my suggestion is to go online, go on to some of these vendors that have 
decent yet inexpensive area rugs and buy that. Now, it could turn into the permanent rug, but chances are it might be your good for now. And by good for now, I'd say, you know, five years and save up the money. Or maybe you have the money, but you haven't found the right rug because you have specific colors and you just can't seem to find it. In either case, I want to make sure you have rugs on your floor. Now, another trick that we use quite regularly, actually, is, is the sisal rugs. Again, in these larger rooms, dining rooms, living rooms, they're going to be more expensive rugs. Well, we can get a really good-looking sisal rug, um, almost any size, and it's probably half the cost of a wool rug that you may end up falling in love with. So what we'll do is we will buy the sisal, we'll bind it in cotton, it finishes the room, it makes it look intentional, and then you wait until you find the perfect rug for you in that room. So then I know you're thinking, yeah, but then I end up with two rugs. Well, here's the beauty. Here's another trick. You will end up with more than two rugs if you're smart about it, because what we tend to do is we will take the sisal and because it's just broad loom, we recut it. We'll change it a typical sisal will turn into at least three other rugs, smaller rugs, right? Typically we do, you know, a small, maybe a six by nine airy rug, rebind it in cotton again. And then we usually end up with maybe two runners. So all of a sudden your one rug that was a place saver got replaced by a new wool rug and you ended up with three smaller rugs and no money has been lost. Now it costs a little bit to re cut them and bind them, but I can assure you that it's a lot cheaper than buying three new rugs. So these are tricks that you need to think through when you're doing this, because I do not believe in, in just wasting product. I don't believe in just throwing away a rug when you bought a new one. I just truly do not in my being believe in that. You either need to sell it through an auction house or a local resale shop, or some people have these neighborhood groups that they can post online about, or you need to find a good charity. But please do not have these pieces end up at the end of your driveway going to the garbage, which inevitably goes to the dump. That's not what I'm encouraging. I'm encouraging really thought through placeholders that will find their way to another home that will love them and keep them for another period of time that works for them. And if you take all of these elements together, so if you go out and you put art on your walls and you bring in personal belongings and you bring in personal photographs, objects that are meaningful to you and make sure that your home has rugs on them, I can assure you that your house will feel like you and it will be warm and inviting and not look like you walked into a furniture showroom, you purchased everything you saw, you had it all delivered and plopped into your home. Or worse, you purchased the furniture but have nothing else in the room, not a single personal belonging, no rugs, no art, no nothing. And that just doesn't make the house feel like a home. And, and people react to it. The homeowners know it. And that's when I get the call. Just doesn't feel like me, Renee. Well, it's because you haven't put anything of you in it.
You put belongings in it, but you haven't put any personal items in it. And that's where people get confused. And I understand how that happens. You know, we're inundated with these home magazines and you go into the malls and it used to just be clothing stores, but now it's all these furniture stores. And you walk in, you think, these are cool. This is what I want my house to feel like. Well, guess what? Next time you do that, pause for a minute, look around. Chances are there's art on the wall. Chances are there's a rug underneath your feet. Sometimes, usually it's a tiny little postage stamp, but there's still a rug. Chances are there's belongings, not yours, but somebody's belongings. That could be, you know, a bowl with fake fruit in it. That could be, you know, books. It could be picture frames, but there's all the items I just listed right there. But typically what happens is people will buy the furniture because they need to sit in a room. They need to put their drinks on a table. Those are the things that get purchased because you need to use a room with sofas, chairs, tables, the basics, but then they don't purchase the accessories, the objects they see on the table, which is actually a good thing because they're not personal to them. But what they're forgetting is when they get all of the furniture home, they're not adding their own personal belongings to actually create the little vignette that they fell in love with at the store. So there are no excuses anymore. I promise there is a world on the internet, even if you don't work with a designer, where you can purchase art, belongings, picture frames, area rugs to add into your home, your personal style, your personal touches that will make any house you live in feel like a truly warm home, which is really everyone's goal. So I hope this is helpful with a few little tricks in there and a checklist of other areas that you can invest in so that your house feels like your home. If you have any questions, you know how to reach me through social media or email. I'd be happy to hear your thoughts on this and any outstanding questions. Thanks again for listening, and I look forward to our next time together. Thank you so much for listening. Feel free to reach out to me. You can email me or direct message me through social media, and we can start a conversation about what it is you're going through right now. That will also help me come up with other ideas for future podcasts that I can share with everyone, as I assure you, we're all in the same boat together. I would really appreciate it if you would subscribe to my podcast and leave me a review. If you would like to find out more about me and what I can do, please go to my website, www.devignedesign.com. Thanks for listening, and I hope to hear from you soon.